0: Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber. All for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet, and simple to win, and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, with MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast with Snyder's exit imminent in D.C., what was it that pushed him over the edge? Our friend Marty Conway, professor of sports business, tells us it's all about the number seven. Mailbag time and some good ones, including whether coaches are idiots or not. Plus, the Paul Pelosi hammer attack story got weird, and now it's seemingly over. Your bonus 45 minutes of Pure Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Thank you for downloading. So, before we get to our friend Marty Conway, interesting stuff about this Snyder story with the Commanders now. He also has some thoughts on the World Cup coming up in Doha, Qatar, and he has been consulting with them along the way. They have spent a shit ton of money to make this thing happen. And wait until you hear what he says some of the stadiums are built out of and how they're constructed. But that'll be in just a second. First of all, thank you everyone who follows up these podcasts with emails that fill in the gaps. It's almost like I don't have to ask you anymore. You just you, you rush to help. You want to help. You, you know things. You research things. You're just fanatics about things. Harry Mama emails me to fill me in on the city Of Losers, Philadelphia. I say that not to rub it in, my dear savages, but they really are the city of losers. Here's the numbers on record in the finals and in the championship game of the four major sports, Super Bowl, plus NBA finals, NHL finals, and World Series. Of all the cities that had 10 or more appearances in those finals, so it's only those who have been there a fair amount. Philadelphia has the worst record by far. They are 6 and 16 in the finals for a winning percentage of just about 270. Oofah. That is a bad number right there. But hey, you could say at least they've been there 22 times. The 22 times they've been there ranks, I think, in the top five. The city with the most appearances. Boston with 40, obviously fueled by both the Red Sox recent run and the Patriots under Belichick. L.A., because they've got multiple teams, has 37 such finals appearances. New York has 36. Now, the best records for teams that have been at least 10 times in terms of wins and losses, Montreal is 10-2 and two in the finals across all four major sports. And yes, it's all hockey. It's all the Canadians going way, way back. Obviously, the uh, Expos never made it, so they don't contribute and they don't play football. Uh, should we count? Go and have Harry go look up the uh, uh, Montreal Alouettes and see whether or not they made the Canadian Football League final or championship. Pittsburgh is 13-3 and as a city in finals. That's really good. And Chicago is 12-4. and Not too shabby. The other teams that have made it at least ten times include Dallas, Denver, Detroit, Miami, Oakland, San Francisco, St. Louis, and Washington. And don't ask me exactly what their records are; it doesn't really matter. They're somewhere in the middle for all of them, for the most part. Philly, by the way, went two and four in the World Series. Has gone two and four in the World Series. They've gone two and six in the Stanley Cup Final, one and four in the NBA Finals, and one and two in the Super Bowl. Uh, in nineteen eighty. That was when Philadelphia had all four of their teams in the finals. Now, the Eagles were in the 81 calendar year Super Bowl, but was for the 80 season. So in 1980, it started with the Sixers and the Flyers being in the finals. The Sixers lost to the Lakers that year. The Flyers lost to the Islanders. Then the Phillies made the World Series and they won. They beat Kansas City in 1980. And then the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, and they played Oakland, and the Raiders pretty much crushed them. So thank you, Harry, for that information. I, too, find it fascinating. Harry said, what can I say? I'm just a, I'm just a nerd. I just love these kind of statistics. He's also a Philly fan, so he knows quite well. Now, to this email, and by the way, you can always hit me up at zabe at yahoo.com. Eric Stowe writes to say, loyal 1%er here, Zabe. I wanted to tell you about my five-hour energy dome. My wife and I started listening to you in 2007 on the Fox National Show. I've followed you to Sporting News and now listen to the podcast every day and subscribe to the Friday Show. Since 2007, I've heard you talk about the 5-Hour Energy Dome and I have wanted one of my own. I was only 26 in 07 and had bought my first house and could not swing it, financially or space-wise. So fast forward 15 years to a new house, we finished our basement, and yes, I finally got the dome all done. All credit to the idea goes to you. Here's the specs. Samsung Q80 TV, 75-inch main screen flanked by 55 inches on the sides, and then another one that's 50 inches over the bar. That's beautiful. A triple screen on the wall and a bar TV. I love it. I replied back and said, okay, that's great, but like, I saw some of the pictures. Tell me your teams. I see a Josh Allen jersey. I see an English Premier League jersey. What What gives? He goes on to say, yeah, I was so excited about the basement pictures. I forgot to tell you, I live in Rochester, New York, about an hour from Orchard Park, forty one year old, forty one year old diehard Bills fan. Good for you. This could be your year. Tough loss, by the way. Through the four Super Bowl losses in the playoff drought, my wife is a diehard Viking fan. Sorry, if the bills moved, I was going to ask the pack to take me in, although it may have cost me my marriage. We are both fans of the EPL. 10-year-old son is a Man City fan, though he started as a Tottenham Hotspur fan. My wife and I stuck with the Hotspur. We actually just booked a trip to London last night to take him to a Hotspur game over his February break in 2023. Who needs Disney? Yes! Yes! That'll be way better than going to Disney, and I'm sure less expensive. He said, We've not finished the memorabilia collection in the basement, as I want to add some Buffalo Sabre swag and Syracuse hoops. My wife is a Syracuse alum. Her dad was a professor there for 44 years, where they had season tickets for baseball and pre child. My wife and I went to almost every game. I attached a few other picks of my budding memorabilia section and collection, and attached a few other picks as well. It needs some master's items. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, this is great. This is the stuff of guys who are married with kids who love sports and a wife who loves sports as well. He uh, finishes by saying, you're the best, Abe. My wife shrieked when I showed, you, showed her your email back. I'm glad I could make your wife shriek. She started in a consensual, platonic manner. You pieces of... She started singing then... Come on and watch some basketball. (laughs) That's awesome. I appreciate the response back. It took the sting out of the Bills loss. Eric Stowe. Thank you. Cody Bruch emails to say, don't you dare take out that Brent Musburger intro to You Are Looking Live. You know, the one where somebody pointed out Columbia is a college town. That's Columbia, Missouri. So therefore, that doesn't belong in the NFL. You Are Looking Live open. I still want to get it out of there. It's uh it's an ac- it's an anachronism. It's uh, it's a mistake. It's a glitch. It's a it's the co- it's the Starbucks coffee cup on the set of Game of Thrones. I want it out. But I need to find another one that's good and clean. He says if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I rarely send you emails unless I deem it worth your time. Seriously, it's a solid iconic intro and bit in the words of Darnell Jefferson ta- talking to Damone about his car, "Don't fuck with it." Thanks, Cody Bruce well, we'll see. If somebody could find me a good, clean Brent Musburger, I mean really clean, really strong, uh, you are looking live that applies to an NFL stadium, then that'd be great. Send it my way, zabe at yahoo.com. Our coaches idiots? Christopher Nelson weighs in because I asked this question. I said, okay, so everyone for the Packers is screaming at Joe Barry saying, why doesn't Jair Alexander travel and cover the other team's best wide receiver? Didn't do it with Uh, Stefan Diggs didn't do it with Justin Jefferson. It didn't work out very well. Why not? And I said, well, I don't think he's an idiot. Like, he may not be a good coordinator. In fact, I'm pretty sure he isn't. His record says so. But he's not an idiot. And there's other coaches that are talking with him about, like, all right, what should we do? And if they think he's being an idiot, like, this would so obviously work. You got to do this. They're going to try to convince him to do it. So I don't believe coaches are idiots. And Christopher Nelson agrees. He says, Joe Barry is decades ahead of you or I in terms of knowledge and coaching ability, so it's kind of rich that we would actually question that. I'm not. But I would guess that his flaw is stubbornness, the inability to say, you know what, my defense, my system is not working, I need to adjust the rotation or scheme, and when you are so stubborn for so long, then I would say you are probably an idiot then. I can see that. He also says on the recycling front, there was a Fascinating Planet Money podcast a while ago. And I know, NPR, you're thinking, ugh, capitalism bad. It wasn't that, though. He said, recycling really gained steam in the 80s because of a mob boss. Anyway, I thought you would enjoy it. It's a good episode. The two favorite things I learned from it was that, one, you could argue that the water used to rinse out your peanut butter container makes it less efficient to recycle. Yeah. I don't know who... who, cleans it out. I guess, can they recycle it if there's peanut butter in there? To quote sweet Georgia Brown, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. And some of the trash, oh by the way, point number two, in the oceans is because it, waits for it, falls off the recycling boat on the way to China. And it would have been better to just throw it out locally. Maybe we should keep a uh, make a keep your trash local bumper sticker and feel righteous about that. Sincerely, Christopher Nelson. Yeah, that would be uh, funny. I, I'm sure somebody has pointed out, hey, we're spending money and hurting the environment on shipping, recycling, on a boat from one side of the globe to the other. Like, is this working out? I'm sure they've done the math. And I'm sure somebody says, no, actually, even though we're burning fossil fuels to get this garbage over to China to recycle, it's still worth it. Maybe. Ian Shrank emails with a better way to schedule the NFL season. It's long. I'm going to condense it. Uh, TLDR, he says, use conference by weeks for weeks eight and nine. Bunch them together in the middle. NFC would play in-division games one week. AFC would play the other. You could have one Thursday, three early Sunday, two late. Sunday. He goes through all the details. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, from a fan standpoint, you could have parties, vacations, et cetera, planned out a year, a year in advance, knowing that your favorite team would not be playing on a predetermined bye week. Uh, Middle of the season, so there's no advantage or disadvantage of being too early or too late. TV already has crossover games, so that should not be an issue with the networks. Uh, Fantasy benefits, you would be able to plan better so your team doesn't get wiped out. He says, does this just make too much sense to me, or am I missing something? Um. No, I think it probably could make sense. But I emailed back. I said, what's wrong with the way it is now? And he's like, well, I don't know if there's anything wrong. It's just it could be better. And I'm like, well, if you're the NFL, you got to say, what is the problem? This looks like and sounds like a solution in search of a problem. Remember, the NFL is the one that makes the schedule. So they have to be the ones to go, we have a problem. We got to fix it. They're looking at the schedule like, we got no problem. Ratings are great. Uh, through the roof, keep going up. Uh, attendance is great in most cities. Money is great. No problems. They don't need to do this so you can plan your vacation or to save your fantasy team. They're like, fuck it. It's working. Let's not bother with it. So, unless there's a real problem, uh, the NFL is not going to change. This email from Tim Simpson he says, What's up with Harper's warm up? Zabe, what's the deal with his pre-at-bat routine where he swings his knees around like he's trying to save a hula hoop as it goes down his legs and then pokes his fingers in the dirt? Announcers haven't mentioned it that I know of. Cameras almost always cut away or show waist up when he is in this routine. Longtime fan, best part of my morning drive. Thank you for all you bring to the show and those of us who follow you, Tim Simpson. I have not seen this, but it sounds like he's doing something that I saw the most interesting man in the world, the most interesting golfer in the world, Miguel Angel Jimenez, do, where he warmed up by putting his knees together, bending down at like a 45 degree angle with his knees, and then doing a circular with his hands on his knees ooh, 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 motion. It sounds like that's the deal. What does it do? Moves your knees around in a circular motion? I mean, I'm sure any blood flow, any motion, any movement is probably better than nothing. Is it a well-tested uh, isometric or uh, physiological warm-up technique? I don't know. Maybe it is. Doesn't seem like it looks stupid as hell, that's for sure. But hey, of course, Miguel Angel Jimenez did it with a cigar in his mouth. So yeah, there's that. Dave Beru, my man says, Zabe, I don't play fantasy football, so I was somewhat dubious that Joe Mixon really had an all-time great day, as you said, but his performance certainly was top 10. I remember, I remember a couple that come to mind. Clinton Portis had five touchdowns and 250 yards from scrimmage against the Chiefs in 03. That was probably slightly better than Mixon. Jamal Charles of the Chiefs had a monster game against Oakland, ran the ball eight times for 20 yards and a one-yard touchdown score. Eight for, one, eight for 20, that might be a typo. He scored on screen passes in the passing game of 49-39-17 and a wheel route of 71 yards. All told, eight catches on eight targets, a buck 95 in the air, and four receiving touchdowns. One of the most dynamic players ever averaged 5.4 yards a carry in his career. Yes, Jamal Charles, one of a line of devastating fantasy league backs that played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, hello, hello. They just, they've had a lot of them there. Uh, This one uh, also about Pat Mahomes on Sunday night as they rallied to beat the Titans. Mahomes set a record, I think, Zabe, for most dropbacks ever. He threw it 68 times, tied for third all time in the NFL, sacked four times and rushed six. So that's 78 by my tally. And I checked those ahead of him, Drew Bledsoe and Vinny Testaverde, so it's possible somebody below him ran more or got sacked more to be more total dropbacks than 78, but I kind of doubt it. We'll see if that comes true. All right, enough emails. Let's get to our guest. Longtime sports, business, and marketing consultant Marty Conway at Georgetown University picked up the phone so I could talk to him about, yes, Dan Snyder is going to be leaving on a rail in Washington. So this Snyder thing looks like it's real and it's going to happen fast. I'm a little bit blown away, but then again, what's the old saying, Marty thing, how do things fall apart slowly at first? And then all of a sudden at the end,
1: yeah, it's like an iceberg melting, right? There's drips and drips and drips. And then suddenly there's a, uh, you know next thing you know you know in buckets right Right, to to doing that and there's a collapse um and and that clearly is what has accumulated over time here um the combination of the embarrassment on capitol hill um and having an nfl owner and nfl have to respond to that that's not what the nfl typically wants to be able to do right they want to go to the hill with their agenda They don't want to have to be called upon there like they've done in the past, whether it's for concussions or other things. So um, I I think there's an accumulation of that. Um, But look, I think that one of the biggest things that isn't that public, which is the mishandling of the ability to get a stadium. Um, I think that that's really important to other owners. You know, if they have, you know, in the old theory of you had one job, one of the jobs of an owner and Jerry Jones has proved it and Stan Kroenke has proved it and et cetera, et cetera. And that is your ability to grow this game by getting new facilities. And that clearly was not going to happen in the district or in Maryland or even Virginia now. And once that, once that door closed, I think it became easier for other owners to start to exclude Dan even more publicly than they had in the past.
0: Yeah, because they're looking at it like, look, we've got market number five or eight or whatever the number is for the DMV. It's the uh, capital of the country, capital of the free world, and yet there's an owner of one of our should-be crown jewel franchises who cannot get a place built for love nor money. This is not going to stand. Like This will never resolve itself, no matter how quiet Dan Snyder stays in the headlines for the next 10 years. Right.
1: And the fact that there were three jurisdictions in the running that said, no, most, yeah. most owners don't have that. They have the luxury sometimes right. of the city versus the county or one state or another. But in this case, there were three. And just to back that up and just to keep in mind, you know this. And I think many people that would be listening and all would know that the, the RFK Stadium and the Redskins on a Sunday was a place where Washington wanted to be seen. We're talking about presidents, administrations, heads of cabinets, you know, joint chiefs of staff, ambassadors, visiting dignitaries, etc. It was a place that the NFL entertained in a way unlike any other market, right? New York has a big market for financial entertainment. Los Angeles is about entertainment. But in this case, Washington is about that legislative and that component. And that had withered away to the point where now it was almost an embarrassment. You would not want to be seen there. That is not something that the NFL could stand long term. They need that owner in Washington to be plugged into the Hill, plugged into the administration, be able to span administrations, right, to do that. And that was no longer the case. And so as a result of that, you're looking at a franchise in the, in the, as you said, in the nation's capital and one of the most powerful and influential cities around the world that was not involved when the NFL awarded marketing rights to you, to international markets, right? The, the commanders were nowhere that, you know, you had the, right. you had, um, uh, you had the Patriots, you had, you know, all these other organizations taking pieces of Germany and England and Mexico and places like that. And here you have one that has, all international components at its fingertips and they, and they couldn't get involved. And so those are the kind of things that I think as going forward for the NFL, which is why Dan and his family could no longer be part of the, and can no longer be part of the future.
0: Right. The, uh, the congressional thing is huge as well, because like you said, and I love the way you put it, it's like we go to, we go to Capitol Hill for favors to us. We don't go there to get yelled at by the teacher.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, no, I mean, that, that's that been the history, which is it's been a quiet diplomacy. It's been a, about influence. It's not about being at the table, whether it's, you know, in person, online, recorded, whatever it is to do that. They just had to stop that. They just and the, and the only way to stop that is to make a change at the top. And you saw that when Jim Irsay came out and sort of spoke for the handful of owners in the room who were willing to say, yeah, it's, it's time. And, uh, you know, it, it, happens in politics and it's finally happened in business of the NFL.
0: Yeah. Uh, and also somebody asked me, they said, when do you think Dan Snyder lost the room? And I said, hmm. wow. I said, he lost the room over and over and over again, over many, many years, but let's go ahead and play, you know, let's play FAA crash investigator. We've got the black box. we got all the data what what brought this plane down ultimately what was it investigator conway
1: yeah i think it was a combination of two things what i've said about the stadium was seeing that all play out look i think if dan could have gotten even virginia like when virginia was the place he was not going to be able to go back to dc maryland was basically saying here's something in the other parking lot but when virginia calling a special session, right, to maybe deal with the Snyder Stadium opportunity, and then having to scuttle that, I think, was a strong indication along with how they mishandled the Mary Jo White investigation and probably the meddling that they now have probably learned about, uh, other NFL owners who have probably learned about from the other investigation, that the kind of meddling that he tried to play here at the end, it's very clear that dan was not going to stop and i go back and say when i saw him with the picture of jerry jones at the center in, in right. just a few weeks ago on the star there at the, that was clearly the beginning of his what he thought was going to be a fight back towards that future he knew at that point that the other owners were now lining up against him and and he was trying to use his leverage with jerry and um at that point, it became clear to the other owners. Look, he is never going to stop fighting, and so we will have to take it uh, upon ourselves, just right. like we did with Jerry Richardson, and say, you know what, it's time you move on, and we'd like to have it done by the next league year.
0: Do you? Uh, did you ever watch the television show Deadwood on HBO? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Remember this scene? This was great. While Bill Hickok telling Alma Garrett whose husband had just been thrown off a cliff because they found this big gold claim, and they're New York City debutantes who are way out there over their skis in deep water, and he's there to tell her, sell this claim now, forget about what it may really be worth, and get out of town. Here it was, listen to the thunder. I ask, ma'am, when you'd expect to leave the camp.
2: I'm not certain.
0: Bullock is honorable, Mrs. Garrett.
2: You can trust him to see to your interests.
0: He couldn't come more highly recommend
2: You know the sound of thunder, don't you, Mrs. Garrett? Uh, of course. Can you imagine that sound if I ask you to?
0: I can, Mr. Jacob.
2: Your husband and me had this talk. And I told him to head home to avoid a dark result but I didn't say it in thunder.
0: Ma'am, listen to the thunder. <laughs> Good stuff there. I think clearly Tanya felt that. She finally felt the thunder. They said, look, your, guy, your husband's going one way or the other. Do you want $7 billion or not?
1: So let's let's talk about that for a minute because this has been sort of my theory that I've shared with a few people for some time, and that is, that when the time came and and it was finally apparent that it was going to happen, I also believe that in Dan's acquiescence to doing this, he's saying to the NFL, that's fine, I'll go, but the number starts with a seven, and if it goes up from there, I'm all in. Oh. But I am fighting, I am fighting you. So whether it's a guarantee or whether it's some other kind of component, everyone has a price to leave the room, And I believe in this case that not only will they get seven billion dollars that I also think it was part of, which is an understanding that this is what it takes to leave. And he was not leaving for a half a half a billion more than Denver or whatever it is. But this will also put a stake in the ground as the most valuable transfer of a franchise um, in history and why not why not washington and yes he's got debts to pay back he's got to pay the nfl back for his loans that he took out for you know buying out his partners and i think in all that calculation the number 7 billion plus starts to look like this is my you know this is my get out fee
0: yeah Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber. All for a shot at life-changing amounts of Moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet, and simple to win, and simple to get paid. Like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match Need to hire? You need. Indeed. And then we turn to the possible new owners. Bezos with Jay-Z involved as well. It reads like a dream team of guys to put in place in D.C. Bezos with Amazon, who just invested all that money in Thursday nights and streaming, likely to do more in the future. Jay-Z being involved in the league with their halftime shows now. Bezos having built obviously, um, the, uh, uh, Amazon two headquarters the building the Amazon two headquarters in Arlington across the, or Alexandria, I should say, wait, Arlington, Alexandria. I mix them up all the time and I'm from here. Can you believe it, Marty? <laughs> it's in Arlington, right? It's in Arlington, that's Arlington. Right. That's right. Um, yep. and, and then Jay-Z being minority with the district of Columbia, which is heavily African-American. I mean, you can't get anything more perfect. And this may bring back into play RFK as a site, which I've said for years is the only place a stadium needs to be, but it's tricky because it's owned by the government.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. There's a lot. It's one thing to just say, we'd like to be there. It's another thing for what has to happen to bring because look, the folks that live in and around Capitol Hill and r f k not really interested in a the stadium there anymore. They've seen one come and go, so mm-hmm. it, it will be some substantial fight. But you make a good point in terms of the Bezos combination yes he he could logically be a front runner, Amazon could logically have a name on the stadium. there could be all those kind of things that could go with it, but I just always pull back and say. Look at the last few owners. First of all, many of them come through the uh, what I call the the grassroots of the NFL. David Tepper was a part owner of the Steelers, Jimmy Haslam was part of the Steelers. There's a there's a a gentleman now that's I think in for 10% for the Atlanta Falcons. Huh. A lot of times these that's where they come from because they're vetted originally, clearly Bezos is a made guy. He's been around the NFL folks for a long time. Amazon Prime is now ponied up. So he does have that street cred credentials. But keep in mind that in many cases, owners roll through that. Now, I don't know if anybody saw the Walton family connecting in Denver, whatever that connection was. So in many cases, there's there's a farm system of current owners who can raise that capital, minority owners. Number two, then you start looking at names that only would raise their hand for Washington, right? And we don't know who those people are, but I'm sure there clearly are people who would have only raised their hand. And maybe there are some people that were involved in the pursuit of the nationals, David Rubenstein, who now says maybe... Maybe not knowing that the the football team is available, that right. there's a pivot opportunity there. So, I mean, I would encourage the learners to close the deal as soon as they could because they may be losing some of their potential buyers to the football team. So the point being is there are going to be names out there. People that are raising their hand publicly now are usually less likely to be involved, frankly, because they either don't have enough money or, or can't put something together. So whoever it is will be handpicked by the NFL, number one. And number two, they will be instructed by the NFL to put your diverse group together um, of minorities, African-Americans, females, etc. cetera, because you saw what happened in Denver. We want to see your plan for not only your money, but the people that you're bringing in around it. And that is sort of the new way for the NFL is to try to put together. And in Washington, D.C. and the surrounding metro area, it will be critical for that to happen. As I said, somebody that can speak to every legislative body in the area and be able to soothe it in a way that can get a stadium and to put all these other issues behind the franchise. Yeah,
0: It sounds like some of these owners go through an internship program, an owner- intern program. You got to got to be in for 10% somewhere to kind of learn how the club works.
1: Yeah, and that's the way that current current owners, their families, they work in the NFL offices for a year or two. They do that because they're being groomed in the process of the league. Look, the best way to vet an owner for a team is to look at where they've been for the last five years, 10 years, where they've sat quietly for $300 million or $400 million with 10% or whatever the number is. And they've been waiting for this opportunity. So I think there'll be names that will come forth that we won't know that are connected to other teams. uh, And that will make for a healthy bidding cadre of five, 10, maybe 15 potentials here in Washington. And again, somebody that will be, not known to anybody, but will be a good fit for Washington because of what they can do in and around the federal government and the various states and municipalities.
0: All right. Let's uh, do a hard pivot here to the World Cup. It's coming up end of November into December in Qatar. It I'm very much looking forward to it, even though I'm not a soccer fan per se. I love the spectacle of it. It's amazing. But I'm just curious about what the soccer world thinks of it because not only is it in a country that is – under some serious allegations of abuse of the men and women who built this place, all these stadiums, Uh, maybe hundreds died in the process. We'll never fully know, but also it's in a weird part of the calendar for what the world cup normally is. This is interrupting the normal EPL and other league structures and their schedules. How does the soccer world look at this upcoming world cup in Qatar?
1: Yeah. Well, this is a one and done. And and, uh, through our Georgetown program, we actually have a campus there in Doha. And uh, so for three and a half years, a group of us traveled frequently three or four times a year to deliver some education programming throughout there. So I probably was there 10 or 12 times over that three year period and got to know in, in detail, excuse me, what they were doing and what the plan was. And so ultimately, look, this was a leap of faith back in 2010 And, uh, you know, they nominated Russia in 2018 and Qatar in 2022. And yes, it was supposed to be in the summer. They were supposed to develop cooling technologies that would make, you know, a stadium in Doha in June or July feel like it was not in June or July in the desert. Well, that couldn't come to pass, and so they couldn't satisfy FIFA. So they made this hard pivot to what is what will be a one-and-done experience of having the World Cup in the middle of every major European football season from mid-November till mid-December. Actually, it ends on December 18th, which is Qatar National Day, which is very much like the 4th of July here. And so when you say, what does the soccer world think of it? First of all, each club... And throughout Europe is going to be paid roughly $10,000 per daily rate for each player that is involved with their national team. And <laughs> wow. so that's a $200 million plus payment from FIFA to these various clubs. Um, so that's number one. It has happened before. It's just not as pronounced because these players could be there for all three or four weeks. They could be there for a week and a half, depending upon how that goes. Will the so,
0: EPL and other leagues go on without a handful of their no, stars? No,
1: so they'll be, no, they're pausing. So they're shutting so, down. So, okay. It, So in Germany, there's actually a three-week pause anyhow in mid-December till early January. Anyhow, they do this every year. The EPL does not. So they've had to schedule around this. They started a little earlier. They're going to play a little bit later into May, and that will be part of it. But make no mistake, look, to have this kind of competition in the middle of their key season in the five major European leagues, these are the best players in the world who are going to go play in a knockout type environment. And so the level of injury and, and sort of degradation is going to be noticed by, but as I said, this is a one and done experience. It's coming to the U S in 2026. And so it will never be played in there again. What does the soccer world think about it? The soccer world thinks in terms of billions of dollars, and they think that they can make this work. And there is really no reform that's going to come from this. This is an opportunity to put the, the world's biggest sporting event in the Arab countries, in the Arab region, and they want to see if they can ignite something there to bring that region to life financially. And so we'll see after it happens to be there Um, but so it's an experience. Look, the Western media hates it, you know, Western Europe and the North American media hates it because they tie this issue to it. But I think that's going to come and go And people are, once this, once the tournament starts, people will focus on the soccer and not so much on the other issues.
0: Yeah. Um, so I saw, I saw the, uh, uh, ESPN piece by Jeremy Fowler about this, uh, Jeremy Fowler, no, Jeremy Schapp different Jeremy, uh Jeremy shapp and the number he threw out i mean obviously qatar has infinity money and they basically spent that to put this thing on what was the number that they spent compared to other world cups to stage host and build the facilities for this thing
1: oh i think you're talking about in the tens of billions of dollars because again they've also built zabe they've built the new metro system they've built comparts new parts to their airport like
0: oh my god this
1: is this is an integrated (laughs) program like no other because essentially this will revitalize if you will that and doha is a major terminal for people going through throughout southeast asia and places like that so it's 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 not comparable because they didn't have these facilities they didn't have these infrastructures they decided to build these this was a 12-year expansion project part of what they're trying to do so it, again it's the yeah so the subway
0: in the, sub- yeah. the, the airport they'll pay dividends for years but these stadiums i gotta believe are going to become like white elephants how well, are they going to fill the most- them
1: And the most part, Zayd, there's a couple stadiums that they're deconstructing and shipping to places in Africa and South Asia for stadiums. Yeah. One of the stadiums is completely you'll see one of the stadiums is completely built. It looks like containers stacked around. They'll take sections of it, put it back into the containers float those to Africa and places like Tanzania and other oh places who will have a seven, 10, 15,000 seat stadium as a result of what happened. Cause no, there is no major, there's one major professional soccer league in Qatar and they don't need eight stadiums. They've got enough currently, but they'll also look, they're also going to look to host other championships, there. Asian cup. They'd like to host an Olympics there at some point. So they're going to continue on the road. We'll see what they eventually get. But they will use some of these facilities for some other major sporting events. But some of them are being deconstructed and delivered to other um, FIFA countries around the world.
0: All right. Who do you like to win it?
1: Gosh, at this point, it's so hard to tell. But I, obviously, I think Brazil is always a favorite going in. Germany? My dark, my dark, Well, my dark horse is always Germany. And when you're not talking about Germany because they have made their change, I think you always have to put them in. We'll see what happens in the knockout round, but I like Brazil. I like Argentina potentially at Messi's last go, and then I think if you're looking in terms of, you know, European clubs, I think Germany is a part of it, and perhaps Spain. So, I mean, those are my handful of teams that I think probably get into the final four, eight uh, along the way. All right,
0: are you going to the World Cup?
1: I wish I were going to the World Cup. Uh, I have some other business obligations. So, all
0: those uh, trips, at, I know, and you're not going to be there for the event itself. Uh,
1: I know. No, I actually probably plan to be there next spring, but I won't be able to be there during the the four weeks of this this coming World Cup. Can, but yeah.
0: Can you give um, me tickets?
1: Can I get you tickets? As you promise not to resell them.
0: Do you I that? won't. You do you now? Resell. Now that I got the tickets, can I get some of your miles, your air miles? Because I definitely.
1: <laughs> you're going to need one. a place to stay. You're either going to be. Well, under I need a tent that too. Do you covers. have
0: Hilton Rewards? Do they have Hiltons no, there? you
1: are going to have to be staying on a cruise ship, or probably <laughs> under a tent in the in in the. Uh, in the desert, so that's the challenge as well, Was they could not build enough accommodations to do Oh my it.
0: So god, me and the Bedouins, me, and the Bedouins, <laughs> Bedouins camels in a tent, I'm there the authentic Qatar World Cup experience, <laughs> package <laughs> it up and sell it! <laughs> that's what they're doing, that's what they're doing so. Alright, very good, alright Marty always a great talk, thank you as always my friend
1: Okay Zab, see ya, bye
0: Alright, let's end on this What's up with the Pelosi Hammer attack story. Well, if you lost the scent of the trail or didn't pay much attention, it got weird. Where obviously uh, the Democrats are like, this is a direct result of right wing nutballs and QAnon and Trump, and it's an extension of January 6th, and this is horrible. Many of us are like, I don't know about that. This dude, De Pape, De Pape, whatever, however you say his name, <laughs> He is a fucking piece of shit. He is a he's a piece of shit on society on the heel of your boot, who needs to be scraped off and kicked into the weeds. A drug addict living in a bus, BLM flag, psychopath, with kids who are you know uh, have been abused. His wife is in jail. For, I mean, total nutbag. Now, many people are hoping for. Uh, Not many people, I would say that many uh, conservative, well, I would say many partisans, how about that? Many partisans who hate Pelosi and want her maximally embarrassed were hoping for gay midnight naked hammer fight. It doesn't seem like that's. I don't believe that's the case. But shit got weird because NBC News and the Today Show ran this story about further details of the attack. Take a listen. This morning, Paul Pelosi is home, back at the
2: house that became a crime scene a week ago today. NBC News learning new details about the moments police arrived. Sources familiar with what unfolded in the Pelosi residence now revealing when officers responded to the high priority call, they were seemingly unaware they had been called to the home of the Speaker of the House. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer, toward the assailant, and away from police. It's unclear if the 82-year-old was already injured or what his mental state was, say sources. According to court documents, when the officer asked what was going on, defendant smiled and Said everything's good, but instantaneously a struggle ensued as police clearly saw David DePap strike Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. After tackling the suspect, officers rushed to Mr. Pelosi, who was lying in a pool of blood. What we do know is he brutally attacked Mr. Pelosi and attempted to kill him. After spending several days in the ICU, Pelosi, who is recovering from a fractured skull and serious injuries to his arm and hand, is now home where Capitol Police remain on alert. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap when the 42-year-old broke into his home. Why Pelosi didn't try to flee or tell responding officers he was in distress is unclear. Fear takes over. Fear freezes people. This morning, the 82-year-old, lucky to be alive after an intruder nearly killed him in his own home. Law enforcement tell law enforcement officials tell us the bottom line here is this was a terrifying situation. We still don't know exactly what unfolded between Mister Pelosi and the suspect for the 30 minutes they were alone inside that house before police arrived. Officials who were investigating this matter would not go into further details about these new details. Craig, back to you. Yeah, one thing's for sure though, he is lucky to be alive, Miguel Amoguer. For us, Miguel, thank you.
0: Yeah. Okay. So nothing adds up. Total. The the bullshit on this, the bullshit meter is pegged at this point. Within hours, NBC News pulled the report, scrubbed it from the internet, although it still exists out there. I was able to find this audio and the video of it. And uh, they said the story did not meet their standards. They had to pull it back. They're like, it didn't meet their standards. Bullshit. <laughs> this was on the Today Show. And this guy, uh, Miguel Almander, is an experienced reporter. And somebody had to vet it and go, okay, that's solid, your sources, okay, boom, boom, boom. Let's go with it. But obviously, I'm sure Nancy Pelosi had her staff, or she herself called and said, get that off the fucking air. What the hell? So was it a gay midnight grinder, naked underwear hammer fight between two erstwhile, like I can't believe it lovers, an 82-year-old husband of the house of representative speaker, and a uh, marijuana-loving, BLM-flag-wearing, lives-in-a-bus psychopath? Eh, I don't think so. My theory is more simple. This is just liberal idiocy at work, that basically Pelosi called the police. He's like, oh my God, there's a guy in the house, he's crazy, he's on drugs, he's got a hammer. I'm in the bathroom right now, but I'm going to try to calm him down and you guys can come and, and take him in gently. And so he calls the police. They show up. He's trying to talk some sense into this poor fella. And the police come. And then there's that awkward sort of, okay, what's going on here? And next thing you know, uh, De Pape says, no, wham. And then just smacks him upside the head. Because that's the way liberals think. Oh, no, I can't be mean to this. This whole thing like fear freezes you. Fear paralyzes you. The fuck it does. A normal person doesn't leave the bathroom once they call 911. There's a psychopath who broke into my house. He's got a hammer. Please come right now and shoot him. That's a normal response. And then once the police do come, and if you let them in the door yourself, you go running out, even if you're in your underwear, going, shoot him! Shoot that motherfucker right now! But, of course, that didn't happen. So, Pelosi probably thought, yeah, he broke into my house. Yeah, he looks like a crackhead. Yeah, he's got a hammer. Yeah, I'm 82 years old. But let's not treat him too badly. It was almost a micro edition of Defund the Police right then and there, where he thought, okay, give me, give me the hammer, okay? Mr. Policeman is here. He's going to help you get a warm meal and a nice place to sleep tonight. Wham! <laughs> and next thing you know, you end up on the floor. With a cracked, fractured skull and potentially bleeding to death. Oh, by the way, the body camera footage from the police will not be released. They said that news came out. They didn't say it, but it was reported. Maybe it'll come out at some point. The 911 call, according to reports now, is never going to see the light of day. And most importantly, nobody in the media is covering this story anymore. So there you go. What really happened inside that house? Don't know. That's my theory. Somewhat of an alternate theory, but none of it makes sense. And we're not getting any clarity. And apparently those who are screeching about it don't want to screech about it anymore. So must tell you all you need to know. All right. That'll do it for me today. Thanks so much for listening. Have yourself a great Tuesday, everybody. And we will see you next time. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of of Moolah with so many brands to choose from. You need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid. Like my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie.